All right. Hi, everybody. My name is Peter Ashley. I work for Applied Information, and today I am broadcasting live from the IATL, the Infrastructure Automotive Technology Laboratory. And today we're going to be talking about when seconds matter, uh, the emergency vehicle preemption system. So a little bit of a background, uh, Applied Information, we've, uh, we now deployed in over 590 cities. We've got over 17,000 devices deployed in the field. Every single one of those has got a cellular modem. So it means it's always connected. And we're about 75 employees within, the, within Applied Information. And we go to market through distribution. So we have distributors who are always going to be uh, providing our services and doing a lot of the installs with some support from us. So what are the core product lines that we have? So we very, uh, you know, very um, involved in connected pedestrian safety. That's school zones, pedestrian crossings, driver feedback signs, and then we do uh, connected traffic signal controllers. So that's obviously the um, traffic controllers uh, providing remote communication to each of the traffic signal controllers, as well as providing the emergency vehicle preemption. So the unit that does um, a traffic signal controller that does remote communication also does emergency vehicle preemption. So when I talk about these products, you'll see how they all line up together very nicely. We do uh, connected vehicles as well with all of our products. So whether it's a school beacon, a traffic signal controller, preemption emergency vehicle, it all connects back up to our connected vehicle system, which I'm gonna explain a little bit towards the end um, to just give you a bit more of a background of, the, of, of that system. So emergency vehicle preemption, how do we do this? So what we're doing is, and I'm, I'm not gonna explain preemption as a concept that, you know, in terms of, as we put in, a, as the emergency vehicle comes, it puts in a preemption call that then requests the traffic controller to go greet. What our system does is it uses 900 megahertz radio and cellular communication with the GPS position of the vehicle. What's important with that is we have redundant communications. We're not just relying on one or the other because when you're in an emergency situation, you should have redundancy. What happens if that 900 megahertz radio doesn't work? What happens if the cell network doesn't work? Always have a redundant backup. And we also report back any failures. The units are, are very easy to install. It probably takes, uh, you know, an hour, hour and a half, two hours, three hours for a traffic signal, depending on, on how experienced you are, uh, and run about the same time in an emergency vehicle, uh, depending on, you know, who's actually installing it. As I said earlier, all of this technology works together with our connected vehicle technology. So alerting where the emergency vehicles are directly to citizens. So this is a great diagram. Uh, I'm gonna to try to get my, my mouse over here. Um, so what's important is we're tracking the vehicle's GPS position, we're tracking his heading, and we're sending out messages to the traffic signal cabinets of where that vehicle is and where he's approaching. We integrate to the emergency lights, so we only provide emergency vehicle preemption if the lights are on, and we hook into the left turn indicator, right turn indicator, and emergency brake 
to ensure that um, we can track exactly where that vehicle's going. We are always sending out the messages over 900 megahertz radio and cellular communication at the same time. So the way that works is if the traffic signal controller receives a message from the emergency vehicle, it, it will either receive it first from cellular or through radio, and it'll just process whichever one comes first. All of our messages are timestamped. Generally speaking, about 99% of all of our emergency vehicle calls first come through cellular because the cellular works a much, much further way, a distance away from the traffic signal. Also, at the same time, the traffic signals are monitored at all times by the GLAND system of if there's any failures or anything like that. But what the really cool thing is when you're doing um, over, the, over the cellular system is we talking to this signal here, the next one downstream and the next one downstream. We can all connecting to all of them and we're saying this emergency vehicle is approaching. Start changing your signal to green now so we can flush our traffic ahead. And because we hooked up to the left turn indicator and the right turn indicator, we can actually say, all right, we're turning left here. This intersection on the left, start preparing to go green right now before the vehicles even turn left because we can see he's got his left turn indicator on. So it's adapting all of the different intersections at all times so that we can ensure that you're always getting a, a, a preemption. Now that requires us to have a really great rules engine that allows you to configure all these different rules to make things work better. And that's why we work together with the traffic department and the fire department to create these rules. So when we first start a system, we, we create the rules for you uh, as best of our knowledge. And then when we come in, we do commissioning and all the rest, we sit down and we look at it, we drive the routes and a driver will say, well, you know, at this time of day, we get a lot of traffic back up along here, all the way up to this intersection. So then what we do is we create a special rule that will preempt three intersections in advance so that we can get those trucks out of the stations. So there's all sorts of great things that we can do and utilizing that cellular communication makes everything possible because we can communicate so much further ahead. We can communicate around, uh, around the corner, over a hill, um, around the buildings so that we can get preemption working. This is a, a quick little view of what a map view would look like. Uh, this is in Odessa, Texas, where they've got a number of uh, emergency vehicles and they've got you know, their signals here and they've expanded the system. I think this is a bit of an older screenshot, um, but they've got, you know, th their vehicles are running up and down there all the time. It's using Google Maps, so very, very easy to use. And um, you know you can see a list of all the intersections over here as well. This is a much larger system where the city of Baton Rouge has got 460 intersections and 80 vehicles. So they've got every one of their intersections uh, connected, and you know they they obviously have a large number of uh, emergency vehicle trips, but they they've got you know all of these uh, intersections. And what's great with this is they can look at their vehicles or their intersections or that you can see over here that they've also even got school zones that they're deploying. 
and you'll see these little lines on the map here. I'm going to see if I can spend some time just jumping into one of the live systems that you'll see what these things are, because each one of these lines is a trail that the emergency vehicle has taken. So what's great with the system as well, we, you'll see over here, we've got playback as well. And we can go back and play back any event that an emergency vehicle had. So what's great with that is, let's say you had an emergency vehicle uh, event that you were responding to um, uh, you know, an emergency and you wanted to see, well, what route did that driver take during that day? You can play back at any time where that person went, what route he took, and how he got to that situation. So you you can and you can do multiple vehicles at the same time, so you can see how they're all coming towards that event um, to see potentially how do you optimize the route of those uh, of those vehicles. And there's different color codings for the map: blue, which is idle. Uh, orange, which is the um, in-service, red, which is in-service with the left turn, and yellow, which is in-service with the right turn activated. Now, what I really like, and I think the power of uh, the system, is all of the data that we're collecting and how we can provide insights to that. So what we do is we track every emergency vehicle trip and we can look at, you know, here the vehicles for 18 vehicles that they had, uh, they did um, 3,700 trips that there was no emergencies. They did 900 emergency vehicle trips that were within their city limits and 300 uh, emergency vehicle trips that were out of their city limits. What do I mean by in the city limits? So. Odessa Fire Department does a lot of mutual aid calls, and they were finding that their ISO ratings, which is um, really important for the insurance organizations, uh, were showing quite high numbers. And it, they realized it's because they do a lot of trips that are uh, mutual aid calls, but then everything within the city got a bad reputation because they thought their average response times were very high. So what we do is we look at all of the emergency vehicle trips within the city and then all the emergency vehicle trips outside of the city. And you'll see here that their average response time is three minutes and 36 seconds. That's really good uh, for emergency vehicle trips within the city. And then the emergency vehicle trips where they're doing mutual aid, where they're helping out the city next door are seven minutes because they're traveling a lot further. You'll see the average distance that they travel from the fire station to an emergency situation is two miles. But when they're doing the mutual aid, it's 5.4 miles. So all of that information is calculated for them on a monthly basis so that they can go out and look at how is everything working um, within our city on a grand scale. They can also look at each individual vehicle, or they can look at the, the fleet as a whole. And you can see on their fleet as a whole, the 90th percentile trips, which is the 10% of the furthest trips that you do within their city limits, is just over five minutes. So that's the when the fire, fire department's got to go really far, the limits of their um, distance that they normally go 
on the city limit edges or the distance away from the from the fire uh, building. So it's providing great insight because you know do I need to build more fire stations? Uh, do I need because you know the, the the longest distances are far away? And when you look at the data, at least from Odessa, they're doing really really well. They're getting to the citizens in need really quickly within three and a half minutes, which is really good on average. And their ninth percentile is just on five minutes, which is also really good. This is also a pretty cool uh, view, which is giving you a view of where are these emergency vehicle trips? When are they happening? So these are the hotspot times in a heat map on, this is the day of the month, this is the time during the day, in other words, each hour, and you can see that generally the emergency vehicle trips are happening between 7 a.m. and 8 p.m., but they still have quite a lot happening at 10 o'clock and all the rest. They don't have very much happening at 3 a.m. in the morning. But this gives you an idea that, wow, this week was really busy over here, where they did 20 emergency vehicle trips on Friday at 9 a.m. in the morning. So this is giving them insights of how should they be staffing their stations? You know, when are most of the emergency trips happening? And then they can go down into detail on each of the different engines or uh, EMT vehicles or whatever vehicle they have and look at these are emergency uh, vehicle trips um, that they're doing, you know, what was the start location, the end location, the total distance, the average speed, so they can go through and look at you know anything that jumps out at them. So everything's tracked, everything's recorded, and it provides these reports automated. They don't even have to go to our system to download them. It'll just email the report once a month, once a week, however often they want to receive it. This report is going into a little bit more for the traffic engineer. So we track every single emergency vehicle preemption call to see is the system working correctly. And so this is engine number eight uh, coming through Baton Rouge intersection P airline and Home Depot. And you'll see that this came in, this is starting at zero seconds when it came in. And you'll see that uh, the ETA of the vehicle was 57 seconds when it first triggered a preemption at 1,500 feet away, and he was driving at 19 miles an hour, and phase four was active at that moment. Three seconds, uh, this is three seconds later, and then you'll see 10 seconds later is when the uh, greens changed to two and five being active. So it took, the clearance time for this intersection was around about 10 seconds, okay. And then you'll see that 26 seconds later, that vehicle drove through the intersection. Well, what's really cool to see here, when he first entered was 57 seconds ETA because his speed was quite slow. So there was probably traffic ahead of him. And then you'll see his speed increases, his speed increases again here, whereas when he went through, when he was 10 seconds away, he was already driving 29 miles an hour. And so that whole event took 26 seconds. And over here, he's heading away from the intersection. And there was no preempt active at this stage. 
So it's really, really cool to see all of that information, to see exactly what's happening at that intersection. So we can see whether or not we need to change the, um, you know, in other words, the times that we start the preemption and so on. All of this information is available to the, um, you know, to uh, to generally the traffic department that knows how to read this or ourselves. Um, and and what's great with this is we can come in and we can say to the, you know, the fire department where they report back and say, well, that intersection wasn't really working the best at that location. And we can look at it and we can say, ah, well, you know, the clearance time we put in the preemption call and the clearance time took. Um, 26, 26 seconds. Oh my goodness. Oh, well, we've got really long ped phases on these intersections. So let's increase our ETA to 60 seconds. And we've had to do that in certain cities. Uh, in Atlanta, for instance, they had a ped clearance time of 20 something seconds. So we had to do a preemption uh, ETA of over 45 seconds. All right, well, that's fine. But then you've got to remember that that has to, if they've got long ped clearance times, you need to have cellular because you need that long distance away from those intersections. So this is a little bit of information on, on Marietta. They, they did a lot of studies on, on their system and they were seeing on an average emergency run, they were crossing about six intersections. They were shaving off about 10 to 12 seconds per intersection using this system so they were saving round about 60 seconds and they were reducing their travel times they said that you know it became safer because everybody else is brought to a stop they're not having to worry about all these cars cutting and cross of them because they don't have a negative intersection their signal's not red they don't have to go through their standard operating procedures or stopping gaining control of that intersection and then going through it um, what's really cool with Marietta is their story. You know, they, they saved around about 60 seconds, but that didn't stop them. They continued to improve by looking at those locations where they could improve. So the fire department said, ah, you know, we struggled to get out of this intersection because three intersections ahead, we have problems. Hmm. Okay, so then we look at the rules and we change the rules a bit. They now doing a minute and a half of savings per emergency run. So they've constantly improved, 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 improved. And the fire chief says it's a constant improvement. We continue to look at it, work on it, because all of a sudden someone does some streetscaping and puts in a median, and now they've got to change their rules a little bit. Okay um traffic signal timings change okay so we constantly working this is not a system that you put in and um you know yes you can just leave it to run and it'll work great but what's great with this is you can continue to evolve with it and improve and don't, no matter what happens within the city you can continue to do more to make the system work better for you and obviously this is you know a video that i'm going to play i hope it plays through the go to meeting otherwise uh, jessica will send out uh, a link of the video um this is the importance of white count <laughs> Thank you.
You're late. By five minutes, Dad. Well, that's five minutes I could have spent with my grandchildren. Get up here, boy. Hi. My favorite grin. This is amazing. Mom, Grandpa, it's my food. Oh, no, just two minutes, kid. Come on. Wait 30 seconds to try it again, okay? What did I tell you? Wait for it. Get ready for green. Get out of here. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Five, four, three, two, Responding priority to 828 Claiborne Avenue, 79 year old male having difficulty breathing. Yeah, we're going to get you checked out. Grandpa, are you okay? Green in the scene every time. That never gets old. Sir, sir, you're going to be all right. We're going to take you to the hospital to get checked out just to be safe. By giving emergency vehicles green lights, travel safely saves first responders 11 seconds per traffic light. We know seconds count. That's why we're paving the way to a safer, more connected future. Find out how you can make your community safer and travel safer. And I know that, you know, everybody's been in one of those situations and it is really important. Um, these systems are really important. Getting, getting people to um, getting the emergency responders to scene quicker makes all the difference. Um, and, and that's why I'm so proud of, of, of what we're doing here and the constant improvement that we're seeking all the time, which is, you know, hugely important. So, um, you know, very proud of what, what our company's been doing on, on emergency vehicle preemption. And it's, it's, it's an exciting thing. And, um, you know, constantly working on making these systems better. I'm going to shift over a little bit to the um, traffic cabinet side a little bit. So, you know, that was heavily focused on what is the fire department getting out of it? But so we've seen now that's what the fire department's getting out of it. But what is the traffic department getting out of it? And it's kind of the first emergency vehicle preemption system where both the fire department gets a massive benefit, but the traffic department also gets a huge benefit because they're getting remote connectivity to the cabinets and a whole bunch of different features that it's one of those great things that we're actually bringing the traffic department and the fire department together for the first time. Um, because generally, you know, when you did preemption in the past, the optical solutions and all the rest, traffic department had to maintain these and it, you know, it's just a maintenance item for them. They don't see any benefit. Whereas now they actually get a massive benefit out of the, um, cabinet units. So we're going to jump into some of the, some of the features there. So for the four main things that the AI 500-085 unit does is it does remote cabinet monitoring. 
So it's monitoring the AC voltage, cabinet flash, your fan, um, all of those kinds of different devices, temperature and humidity within your cabinets. Uh, to tell you if you've got a cabinet problem, BBS batteries, those kinds of things. The second thing that it does is it provides pass-through communication. That's critical. We've got a lot of cities, especially the smaller cities, that don't have a lot of fiber. And this now provides communication directly to their traffic signal controller via remote front panel or to their central system. If they've got a central system, uh, tactics or Centrax or whatever system you have, you can now get connectivity to all of your traffic signal cabinets through the cellular communications. The third thing that it does, which we've been talking about, is emergency vehicle preemption and bus priority. So everything that I've talked about in emergency vehicle preemption is also available in um, uh, bus priority. Works a little bit differently. We put in a priority core instead of a preemption core. Um, and you know, we generally do it a lot further away so we can keep the traffic controllers in coordination. But both of those types of technologies are very similar to each other. And then the fourth thing that it does is, is the travel safely aspect. Um, you might have seen a little snippet in that last video where we were showing um, the get ready for green and emergency vehicle approaching from the front. So what's great with that is it connects the citizens to the traffic um, systems and makes them feel part of it. It also gives us more detector calls as well, which I'll get into in a little bit. So some of the things we're monitoring, AC voltage, preemption status, time synchronization, battery status, that's your BBS batteries, uh, signal in flash, door status, fan status, temperature and humidity. And you'll see here, we also support uh, video streaming. So if you've got a iTerrace camera or you've got a Access PTZ or uh, whatever type of camera you've got, I don't really care for, for the detectors that you've got out there or PTZ cameras you can get access to all of those cameras remotely through the cellular communication. And we can stream up to four cameras simultaneously. So cellular communication has become so great now and so fast. Um, you know, everybody streams videos on Netflix and all the rest. We can now do it through these boxes as well. So it's giving the traffic department huge benefits because they can now get connectivity to every one of the intersections. And especially for smaller cities, um, I love to talk about Cullman, Alabama. They wouldn't have been able to deploy a system and put fiber in and, and um, you know, because the cost of doing that throughout their city would have been astronomical. But they put these boxes at each intersection, got remote communication to their intersections and emergency vehicle preemption, and they did it for a fraction of a cost of putting in fiber. So you you saving a huge amount of money and the reliability of cellular is so high because it's federally mandated that these um, cell systems need to work 99.9% of the time. So you've got this huge benefit here. On top of that, let's say your city's got fiber network. What this device does now is it provides redundancy for your, for your city. If your fiber gets cut, you can roll onto the cellular system 
and just basically get connectivity to your traffic signal cabinets as well. So there's really cool uh, things that you can do um, that get you this kind of connectivity. Pass-through communication. This is critical for us because we support all of the major manufacturers. So Siemens, Econolite, McCain, Interlite, Trafficware, uh, Peak, uh, we support all of them and all of their central systems. So we, and it's all secure communications, we use VPN networks, so we actually get onto the city's VPN network. And if you're not on the VPN network, don't have to worry, we don't have to be on your VPN network, you can also access this and you can get access to the remote front panel. So a lot of the smaller cities who don't have a central system, they get a remote front panel access that allows them to connect as if they're sitting right in front of the traffic signal controller. So great benefits for them as well. Um, so we're utilizing the LTE communication, you know, it's 50 megabits up and down. It, there's lots of you know, speed on there that keeps us going um, really quickly. What I also love is the data that we're pulling back. Um, we found, and the reason why I'm showing low AC report is we found 90% of traffic signal controller failures are power failure events. Most people think their power is great, but there's a lot of power failure events when you're monitoring this all the time. And um, what we do is our units monitor the AC power every tenth of a second. So we can pull out brownout events, short power failure events, and also long power failure events. Um, so you can see, you know, these intersections over here had two power failure events, and, you know, it was an hour and 35 minutes for these intersections that they were down. But this gives you a quick overview and you can also look at from month to month, what were the power failures happening? Where were most of them happening? Because potentially you take this to the utility and they can say, huh, we're getting six power failure events at that intersection all the time. Hmm, I wonder if there's something wrong there. And they can go out to that location and they can potentially fix it. Or you can use this data to say, that intersection always gives us problems we're gonna go put in a BBS battery backup system at that location. So it's a great way of looking at it. Um, and you'll see actually here, the different power failure events. So I can see this was on the 1st of December, it was a 14 second long power failure event, but then this one on the 8th of December uh, happened all, just around midnight, just before midnight, and the power was restored at around 1 a.m. And that power failure event lasted one hour and 21 minutes. They had 30 power failure events totaling 12 hours of downtime for the city. You can see you almost never have that kind of downtime with a traffic signal controller. Your power failures are the things that have your most downtime events uh, that, that you'll see. So that's a little bit of what we're doing inside of the uh, traffic signal controller. What are we doing with this system with connected vehicles? So what we've done is we've created a smartphone app that runs on any smartphone. Um, and what's great with that is 
it's able to actually provide connected information to the citizens of where the emergency vehicles are coming, the emergency vehicle approaching from behind, so that they can move over and stop and actually see what's actually happening and let that emergency vehicle move past them. So they get these advanced warnings and that's, you know, a lot of people panic when they see this massive red or yellow vehicle coming behind them and they freak out. Well, now they can actually get an alarm before they come. It also, there's over 250 million people with smartphones in their vehicles today. So we can get access to all of those people and provide this technology to them. There's a short little video over here that will show you some of the applications that we're doing on the connected vehicle side. Meet Travel Safely, an app that helps you get where you're going safely. Travel Safely works if you're driving, walking, biking, wheeling, scooting, or skating. Get real-time audio notifications so you can focus on your surroundings. Get notified when you're approaching a red light or when it's time to get ready for green. Get ready for green. Travel Safely works with local emergency vehicles helping them respond to calls faster. Get notified when an emergency vehicle is approaching. Emergency vehicle front. Or when to share the road with your two-wheeled friends. Cyclist. Vehicle approaching cyclist. Travel safely tells you when you're passing a school or work zone. And if you need to slow it down. So whether you're on the road or just crossing, Pedestrian. Every time you open Travel Safely, you're helping make a better commuting experience for all of us. Together. Download the Travel Safely app today and join our community of users committed to making our roads safer. So you can see how this is basically creating a community and we're not just doing one type of application, we're doing all of them. Um, so we're connecting citizens to traffic signal controllers. We're connecting the cyclists and the pedestrians to the traffic signal controllers and to the vehicles to avoid collisions. We're connecting the vehicles to the school zones to slow them down and connecting the emergency vehicles to everybody to provide warnings that there's an emergency vehicle approaching. So. It's a really uh, interactive system that's connecting everything together. Now, you know, for the traffic signals, you saw over there we did red light running. So when you're coming down a side road and there are trees and things like that and someone doesn't see the signal and just blast straight through the signal, we're stopping those things from happening by saying red light ahead. So we're looking at the vehicle speed and how he's approaching that traffic signal and whether or not he's actually going to run through that traffic signal. So there's great ways of us looking at this and, and, and providing life-saving technology there. At the same time, also providing a convenience for the, um, for the actual uh, citizen because we do get ready for green. 
and get ready for green is the coolest feature out there. It, it announces get ready for green just before the traffic signal is going to change. So people behind you don't honk their horn and say, move it. Um, and what's important with that is all of our systems on travel safely are audible first. 93% of all of our users are using the travel safely app in the background. They're using Waze, Google Maps, or the phones in their pocket and providing these audible alerts to them of what's actually happening in front of them. So this is providing this life-saving technology to all the citizens within the city, and it's a free app. Anyone can download it. So a lot of the cities promote it and all the rest because it doesn't cost them anything, and they've purchased the equipment for doing emergency vehicle preemption, and they're getting all of these additional features that makes the mayor look great, and um, you know, makes the you know everybody else within the city council look like they they're actually doing something for the citizens. We do some really cool things. Um, we can also do we can detect all the cars approaching a traffic signal and put in advanced detector calls to the traffic controllers. We work with uh, certain camera manufacturers and we can detect pedestrians in the crosswalks and provide an alert if there's someone illegally crossing there and your signal's green. We can provide you an alert that there's a pedestrian in the crosswalk ahead of you. Or if you're turning right and there's a pedestrian in that crosswalk, we can provide you a warning saying there's a pedestrian on the crosswalk on the right. So there's a lot of great features that we've built into the system to try and make it just much safer and um, to connect emergency vehicles to traffic signals, to the pedestrians, to the cyclists, and to the vehicles, to make everything work that much better. We're working with, uh, on the Google Play Store, Apple App Store, we actually work inside of Ford Sync 3 vehicles, we're working on Android Auto, and we're also part of the 5G Automobile Association, where we're trying to get this into every vehicle. So no matter what it is, this will be on the dash inside of the vehicle. What's really important with all of our equipment um, that I can't stress enough is our systems come with a connectivity and support plan, generally speaking, for five or 10 years. What that gives you is guaranteed cellular communication for the next five or 10 years and after that five or 10 year period, you can just in, you know, extend the connectivity and support plan uh, contract, which is obviously a fraction of the cost of the whole system. But what it does is we guarantee cellular communication. So we've had a lot of people that we've moved from 3G to 4G and from 4G to 5G. So we know that that's coming, the 5G communication. So we guarantee cellular communication. So we will actually uh, provide you with new chips and things like that that you can put in that utilize the new communication platforms. Also really important is our systems provide our connectivity and support includes an unlimited warranty on our hardware. So no matter what happens, lightning strikes, whatever it is, we repair or replace the unit for free. So we don't add any cost for our RMA. That's part of our connectivity and support plan. And let's say you do five years and then you extend it for another five years, that gives you another five-year warranty. So we continue to provide the warranty and the support and the cellular upgrades as part of our system. 
the over-the-air software updates are also really critical because we continue to improve our systems. We don't just stay static. We, you don't need to uh, take a computer out there and update software. We can do it over the air. So when we come out with new features, new functionality, that, that's available to you just as part of our connectivity and support. And then, of course, the Glance Travel Safely application is part of the connectivity and support plan as well. So it's a great way of uh, getting connectivity um, and also support for your systems and ensuring that technology is going to work for the next 10, 15 years. So we've got some customers, Quebec City, who, who did a 15-year connectivity and support plan. Great. Um, so there's, you know, it just depends on, on what you want to do uh, and what budgets you have within the city of how you want to actually structure that out. I am going to slow down there and I can jump into a bunch of other things, but I know that Jessica is about to come on the line and say, Peter, you need to slow down and uh, do some questions for, for everybody. That's so, right. How did you know it's coming to get you? <laughs> Um, so I have Jay Jackson from MBTA. He has a couple of questions for you. Jay, I'm going to unmute you here. Um, if you don't have access to a mic, I can um, ask your questions for you. But let's try this way first. Jay, are you there? Hey, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes. Great. All right. First question I had was, how is the ETA calculated? Or um, is it using like a simple formula? of instantaneous speed and distance, or is it more sophisticated than that? Generally speed and distance, yes. Um, so we, and, and it depends on how you want to set it up. So uh, generally the ETA is done on speed and distance when you've got a nice straight, you know, straight uh, run up towards a, a traffic signal um, for emergency vehicles. When you're talking about bus priority and stuff like that, uh, we do a lot of places where we do check-in loops, uh, we also hook into the doors in terms of whether or not the doors are open and closed. So we can do all sorts of specialized rules because depending on if you've got near side or far side um, stops at a traffic signal, we need to have a different type of um, priority call coming in. So the rules engine is really flexible in terms of how we want to set up the, um, the actual priority or preemption call. So um, to kind of ask a more a little down that line, um, could you have it so that at maybe every single like 20 feet or so as it's approaching an intersection, you could sort of know what it's likely, how many seconds it's likely to be to get to the stop bar yes. based on like previous um, history or something like that? Yeah, so right. generally, yeah, generally speaking, we're using the, the speed of the vehicle, um, but we could set up in loops so we we also have some rules where we can actually if you know the general aspect of when he crosses this point is 10 seconds before he gets to the signal we can set up a call that comes in at that specific point to the traffic signal controller that that's around about 10 seconds away okay yeah so um would you be able to track that so that we could improve that so one of the issues we have is variable dwell time especially with those near side stops. Um, mm -hmm. And so what I'm trying to look at and understand, and I'm kind of new with the, with the MBTA, but I'm um, their TSP coordinator. Um, it's kind of a new initiative we're trying to get right for once. 
um, I can go into that long detail, but um, is to get tracking of how it's happening over like time of day, um, day of week, yeah. and to be able to use some sort of like machine-based learning analysis, predictive analysis to, to get more intelligent with that. Yes, so uh, we've been doing that here actually in Marietta where they've got a whole bunch of the, um, the buses going through and we're tracking all times of days, whether or not it's improving the, the priority and so on. So we've got a whole bunch of sophisticated reports that we do. And what I would suggest is probably Jay, what I do is I get one of um, Walt who is actually in the lab over there. I get him on the phone uh, with yourself and um, we can walk through the types of reports that we're doing uh, to see how we fit in. Because obviously you've got certain situations that you're looking at um, and we can create different rules and we can create the different reports that would show you the information that you would want. So in other words, to look at, you know, because we can also look at how each individual intersection, the dwell times are changing also on the intersection as well. So. What we found is the, uh, depending on time of day and the uh, pedestrian calls that are coming through, affects your dwell time of your intersection. So yeah. we can get all of those kinds of things. Absolutely, I don't wanna hijack this meeting. We can definitely set up a, a thing to uh, chat online. I think that'd be great. You have my email address. So um, I'll ask one more question. It's different though. Has you done, have you done any, I'm a little concerned, um, well, how do I wanna ask this the best way? The, the get ready for green, um, from a safety perspective, has any research been done on that? Um, because that seems like that would defeat some of the all red clearance kind of safety benefits. Has any thoughts around that? We've The University of Alabama has been working on it. They've been looking at it more from a factor of uh, what's been happening at the startup since people have been using their smartphones. And they've seen obviously people, you know, they over the last three years, the startup times of traffic signals have, have decreased quite a lot. So they're seeing that it, it, it improves the startup time. But because what we do is we don't, you know, it's around about three seconds before the signal changes, we provide a, a, a get ready for green. It's three to four seconds. So it's never exactly three seconds or exactly four seconds, it's three to four seconds. Um, so there's no way of people really jumping it because three to four seconds away, you know, and one Mississippi and, you know, no one actually yeah. don't really get the jumping of the of the signals. But a lot of people like that because it gets people to um, start up quicker and that's improving the improving the throughput. They seeing about a five to 10 percent improvement in throughput because they're getting about a one to two seconds increase in startup time at the traffic signals. Yeah, that's interesting. And I actually lived in Marietta um, when I went to Georgia Tech. So the, the priorities are definitely much more vehicle focused down there. Up here, we don't really care too much about the vehicles. <laughs> we care about the bicyclists and the pedestrians and the, uh, you know, and, and more so. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm being yeah. just, but so doing, thank you for answering my questions. We do bicycle uh, priority as well at Signal. So we do bicycle detection. So if it's a cyclist using the travel safety app, he can actually put in a detector core to the traffic signal. And we're actually doing some applications where we're looking at doing groups of cyclists that we can actually put in a, a priority core to a traffic signal when a group of cyclists arrives at the same time. So some really cool things happening at the moment uh, in the connected vehicle space. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, thank you for answering my questions. Appreciate it, Jay. We'll, we'll definitely get back to you and set up something. Great. Thanks, Jay. You'll be hearing from um, Chris, probably. He's our business developer in the East. All right, so next question is gonna come from Daniel Quiggins. I'm gonna unmute you so you can ask your uh, questions about DSRC and CB2X. Um, okay, okay well, I'll read it. Yeah, it's what about DSRC or CB2X? If we already have this, can you integrate? And the answer is yes. Um, so we work with uh, multiple different manufacturers of DSRC and CB2X, and obviously our devices support um, connecting with with all of those different types of providers. So we also have a RSU that does both DSRC and CB2X simultaneously at the same time, and we also have an emergency vehicle preemption unit that can do. 900 megahertz radio, cellular, DSRC, and CV2X all at the same time. So it's a different unit, it's the 06502, and that can get put into an emergency vehicle that will actually provide the, and then connects to emergency lights and all the other aspects behind it to provide emergency vehicle and buses with priority using DSRC, CV2X, and cellular communication. All right, Peter, our next question comes from Cynthia. She's saying, does the uh, 085 work with 900 megahertz radios only, or does it have 2.4 gigahertz capability? Uh, sorry, the next question is, does AI uh, work with 900 megahertz radio? Um, so it, it works with 900 megahertz and cellular communication. So we don't use 2.4 gigahertz, um, and the reason for that is the higher the frequency, the uh, less the penetration is. So for instance, if you're using DSRC and CV2X, uh, that's 5.9, it doesn't go as far. Whereas 900 megahertz can penetrate the leaves of the trees better. So we did some testing, actually Quebec City did some testing of, uh, it was GTT's 900 megahertz system, I mean, a GTT's 2.4 gigahertz system and our 900 megahertz system, and it was a very treed corridor and they were getting about 900 to 1,000 feet on the 2.4, but they were getting 3,500 feet on the 900 megahertz. So it just penetrates trees and buildings and everything like that a lot better. And then our backup communication is obviously cellular. Okay, and then the final question I have here is, could you please elaborate on advanced activation of preempt? How far ahead from an intersection does the system detect emergency vehicles? Great question. So it's an unlimited range. If you wanted to uh, put in a preemption call 90 seconds, 120 seconds away, because the controller was really advanced, that could start changing the cycle times. I mean, uh, ch changing the, the splits and offsets and keeping it within its cycle time to coordinate with all the other intersections then we can send it like that. So we've done that in 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 some uh, cities where they using we're using NTCIP 1211 and shooting that information over with a 90 second ETA and counting that all the way down. But because we're using the cellular modems, we can do an unlimited range away from the signals. So it really comes in really interesting when you've got. Um, not emergency vehicles, because you probably need to do that at round about 30 seconds to 45 seconds, depending on your um, 
dwell time and obviously the peg clearance times. But when it comes to transit vehicles, you can really start preparing the traffic controller very far in advance um, because you can start putting that information, the full cycle in advance. So, and it's all configurable by rules. So all of those rules and everything like that can be, can be done. All right. Um, could you explain adaptive preemption and how it works? Great question. So what we do is if there's a, um, an emergency vehicle approaching a traffic signal and there's a lot of traffic backup and all of a sudden that emergency vehicle is driving at 45 miles an hour and then he starts slowing down, slowing down, and he slows down to 19 miles an hour because there's traffic ahead. What we do is we trigger an early preempt call at that intersection but not just that intersection, normally the intersection ahead of him as well, so that we can flush out the traffic ahead. And all of these rules are configurable, but what this does is it adapts to the traffic congestion so that if you see the vehicle slowing down, we can actually cause an early preemption and flush out that traffic ahead. I'm going to unmute Ken. Just curious where the rules are. Are the rules at the intersection or are you propagating the rules from the cloud reporting system? I'm confused. Yeah, so all the rules are locally in each individual device. So we have a central system that we configure the rules, but all the rules are locally in the device. So we've got a distributed intelligence system. So uh, it's not like you've got a central computer that's saying, I need preempt here, I need preempt here. Each individual system works as standalone which is really critical for emergency vehicle preemption because you've got local intelligence. So if something fails in the central or with another intersection, everything's using its local rules and intelligence to trigger the preempts um, at those locations. And then you can, you can change and optimize those and propagate those out. Am I articulating that correctly? 100%. So all of those rules, and that's how Marietta basically improve their response times is they looked at the intersections and the areas that were causing them troubles where they couldn't get through and then we optimize the rules for those intersections to get them out a lot better so yeah what it, that is actually ken a great point because one of the things that we do is we have a distributed intelligence um, preemption system and what's critical with that is we don't have any one point of failure. Because what I've found is, you know, there are certain other uh, providers there that are doing central-based preemption. And when you do central-based preemption, all you need is the vehicle to change its route or to change, you know, any small little thing or the computer goes down and now you get zero preemption. The network goes down, you get zero preemption. With ours, even if the cell network went down for some reason, you still got the local radios that are communicating. So having that intelligence in, in the devices is critical for, for reliable emergency vehicle preemption. And then we've got one more person there, Jessica Thomas has got his hand up. What if you're coming down, like coming down the street and all your lights are green and all of a sudden one of those lights turn red and the rest of them are green. Is it, does it mean it's out of sync? Could be, could be multiple different things. Um, a lot of traffic controllers have got a maximum time that's set into the controller in terms of the maximum phase times. 
Um, so in other words, if you've got six traffic lights and you're talking about actually having emergency vehicle preemption within the city and one of the lights changes to red, it could be that one of them isn't working correctly. But a lot of the times that I've seen that, it's because there's a max time um, of uh, staying in one phase and that's causing that uh, controller. So you normally go out and change those maximum times. I don't know how to physically do that, but we can get you connected with um, one of our engineers that can walk you through that process. Okay, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And, and also important, what we are doing um, next week, Thursday, is we're doing a masterclass in um, emergency vehicle preemption with our systems, where we're gonna go through it's a much longer session. It's it's not as you know me explaining everything. It's me actually going through what's in the devices. How do we wire them up? Uh, how do we change configurations in the traffic signal controllers? So going into a lot more detail of the actual devices. How do we set up rules in emergency vehicle preemption? So anyone that's a current customer or distributor has um, access to that meeting. If you want to have access to that, which is going into a lot, lot, lot more detail, um, please reach out to us. We can add you to that meeting. Uh, just reach out and, you know, it, it's gonna go into a lot of detail of the ins and outs, how you program rules, um, what are the best practices, working with a traffic signal controller, what you should you change, um, how do you get the, um, spat information from a traffic controller. Uh, so the master classes are, are, are pretty interesting um, in looking at the details of everything behind this. Yeah, so if you uh, did not receive an invite to that, but you would like one, please email us at training at appinfoinc.com. So that's training at appinfoinc.com. And then you guys will be receiving a follow-up email with the commercial link that Peter showed and handouts about our units and a brochure on how preemption works. Um, and if you guys need any additional support or have questions or wanna connect with one of our business developers in your region, then you can reach out to us as well and we will help you get connected. Yeah, please please reach out to us because you know setting up a one-on-one -on -one meeting, we can go through all the individual stuff that, that you guys uh, have within your system and we can really talk about how we can optimize this for your situation. So I, I wanna thank everyone. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And you guys, I'm sure are gonna receive more information about all of this. So please reach out to us and uh, thank you very much.